0: Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to the Project Esports Podcast. My name is Dylan, a.k.a. Beal for Real. Uh, This week we're going to be having a special kind of episode. So we're going to be doing a post-PAX esports at PAX kind of deal. Talking about esports at PAX and uh, all the stuff that we saw. So I went to PAX over this past weekend. Um, I guess at the time of recording it might be this past weekend or weekend and a half and I was actually joined by Iris. So Iris, go ahead and introduce yourself, plug your Twitter handle.
1: Hello, my name is Iris. I am the vice president over at Penn State Esports, and I usually go by Cassina Ilya, K-A-S-S-I-N-A-I-L-L-A.
0: Yeah, and so we went to PAX together, and we were able to check out a lot of stuff there, and even though PAX is mostly like just general gaming stuff, like general gaming and tabletop stuff. There is a big eSports presence there and it has been growing over the past couple years with the rise of eSports. And I thought there was a lot of really interesting things that I really wanted to talk about there. So let's go ahead and just kind of run down the list of it. So first of all, I want to bring up Geico Gaming. So we were able to get a taste at Geico Gaming for the first time last year at PAX, actually. Um, they ran a Hearthstone tournament. And they actually did the same thing this year. And what I think is super interesting is it's not Geico sponsoring events and putting their name on it. It's Geico having a completely new brand. Like, Geico Gaming is its own brand. Like, they have a logo and everything. And it seems like they're going in super hard with this. Um, were you able to catch any of the, the tournament games?
1: Um, I personally did not see any, but... Uh, a few people in the collegiate scene actually played in it. Um,
0: I think his name was Blah from Cornell, right? Is blah, that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. He actually did really well. Yeah, he was talking to me about it. He said it was very, it was pretty well done. Yeah. Um,
0: I thought the the format of it was really interesting because they had normal uh, amateur players play up until top. I think it was yeah. top eight, and then from there on, they just inserted professional players.
1: Yeah, Toast was there. He was disguised Toast. He was, like, talking to some people.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really cool because that's a really good way to kind of separate the, um, I guess, the amateurs from the pros from getting completely stomped early in tournaments and actually kind of sets up some of these amateur players to be able to play against some of these pros. So how do you feel about Geico coming into the scene like this? Do you think it's a good thing, bad thing? Do you think they're approaching it well?
1: uh i mean they've been in it for a while haven't they like they they started a couple years ago
0: yeah and i mean they started a couple years ago but do you think they're leaving a big enough impact are they doing enough in the scene
1: i mean i'm i'm a little biased because i'm pretty much entrenched in collegiate so i only really know about brands that really interact with collegiate a lot um i've personally never heard of geico gaming until i was walking on the floor down at Pax, and I saw the giant like Geico lizard staring at me. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Um, I, I heard that the tournament was pretty well done, like pretty on par with like most Hearthstone tournaments.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. Um, it seems like Geico is really picking their battles, maybe a little bit too strategically. Like they mm-hmm. have these they, ha- they have these tournaments, and they're really good, and all their events are really well run. But it just feels like we're not getting enough of them, and they're not actually getting themselves out there. Like, why spend all this time building up this cool Geico gaming brand if you're not going to actually mm-hmm. put it everywhere, you know?
1: Well, they do sponsor TSM. I know that.
0: Do they actually? Um, I actually didn't yeah, know Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's um, actually
1: cool. Yeah, they sponsor TSM, and I think one other, like, smaller team. Um, but that's not much – I don't think that's much beyond them, like, being on their jersey.
0: Now, on their jersey, does it say Geico Gaming, or does it say Geico?
1: Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think it just says Geico. I I do remember seeing them on the TSM jersey, though.
0: Okay, because that would be a little bit interesting, because then that means that they're using their normal Geico brand to sponsor people, and they're separating that from Geico Gaming, which is kind of interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I also wonder how many people they actually payroll with Geico Gaming. Because I know for a fact, the tournament itself, a lot of the staff there were actually just volunteer staff, kind of like mm-hmm. a lot of things at Pax. But
1: well, it does—it seem, definitely seems like a lot of these like bigger brands are a little bit hesitant to bring on full-time people, at, at least for their like esports and gaming uh, strongholds. There's a lot of like part-time events, but I, I don't know of many companies that have like a full-time, dedicated, uh, gaming or esports person.
0: Yeah. So overall, good thing, bad thing.
1: Uh I mean I I personally think it's never a bad thing to have this uh big money in esports. Uh, speaking of big money in esports, Facebook was also there.
0: Yeah. And like I have a I bias. didn't even see
1: what they were doing.
0: Um so they were doing kind of like a live streaming event and they also had video like different games there, which mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, I hate Facebook as a live streaming service. <laughs> I, Facebook look, Live? Yeah, I think, okay, so I like the integration they did with Blizzard. I, mm-hmm. I think them integrating it into the Battle.net client and having, like, yeah. it's super seamless and it's super easy to stream to Facebook. The only issue is it's fucking Facebook and it's awful to stream <laughs> to.
1: I mean, they had um, they had quite a few, uh, I think they had a party, like, I'm pretty sure they had a party, like, either during the event or after the event.
0: Yeah, that's that's p- probably right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I hate it. I hate, I hate Facebook <laughs> live streaming, so, like, I'll never be on board with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think their booth, well, it had the main stage of which was the stream, mm-hmm. and then they had uh, a bunch of Fortnite there, which, I mean, if Facebook Gaming is going after, like, the very casual live streaming mm-hmm. gamer, I mean, obviously, Fortnite is, like, the game to go for, right? At they the had moment. a little
1: Instagram photo op, too. There was, like, a really nicely lit, like, background of someone dropping.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. That was that was actually <laughs> kind of cool. Um, yeah. Because beca- there is a lot of those at, at PAX, a lot of those, like, little photo op areas. So, I actually <clears throat> think that part was kind of cool. There, was, was... Um,
1: there was also uh, – I saw, like, a, a few people, like, doing meetups at Facebook. And I guess, like, that was the whole point of their booth is, like, they were offering – um, their booth for like meetups for different like broadcasters or people on Twitch.
0: Huh, interesting. Now, what I think is weird is that they labeled it Facebook Gaming. I haven't I... heard this term before. I've never seen Facebook Gaming as like a like a like a term or title. Like it reminded me of YouTube Gaming, which is like YouTube's failed sub site thing over they try to promote their live stream gaming. Yeah. Have you have is this the first time you saw it as well? Uh
1: I mean I spend a lot of time on Facebook just because I am a college kid. Um I haven't really noticed much. I know that there is a page uh that you can like and they they have um they have videos of people streaming to Facebook, but I've never actually seen someone playing on Facebook.
0: That's so uh, weird. I think like
1: on their page right now, Smosh Games was live. Oh uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is
0: Smosh. I Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> like I just like to me live streaming on Facebook is never gonna be the same. Like it's it's mm-hmm. the same deal with Twitter for me is that it's it's like a feed. Like like both both websites are supposed to act like a feed of where you scroll through it. And it just feels weird to go, oh, here's a stream. Let me stop my feed scroll and play this and mm-hmm. just stay here. Like, I don't know, it just it's just really weird to me because both those platforms are <laughs> a platform I go on to just to check my feed real quick or send a message. So I'll go on there, I'll either scroll down and look through everything that's been posted recently, which I mean, they're making it harder to look at chronological order as is, but that's besides the point. I, oh, I, just, I
1: found someone I recognize.
0: On Facebook Gaming? Prof-
1: yep. Professor Akali. Um, they used to stream on Twitch. That's how I recognize them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I haven't seen any big names go over to Facebook Gaming besides ESL. Um, mm-hmm. I know ESL has exclusively been streaming their their big events on Facebook, which... I mean they must be so obviously they're pumping in big deals with like ESL and yeah. Blizzard to do this but like they're not doing any sort of streamer outreach or if they are the money's for sure not right like they're, they're, not I they're right There I think they're definitely
1: just trying to slowly bring on like smaller streamers because just looking at all these people I don't I don't recognize a lot of these names and they're playing games I watch like Fortnite League uh, FIFA Street Fighter but I don't recognize any of them. Um, But looking at their pages, they're all around, I'd say, like, 10,000 likes, 12,000 likes. Now, I don't know about the likes to subscriber ratio, but this is definitely new. It's very new. Um.
0: Yeah. um, Also, the thing that makes me feel uneasy is the monetization aspect of it. Oh, yeah. So, I know Facebook videos... Um, are super, super worth it in terms of monetization because Mm -hmm. you can spread it really fast and you get those mid-roll ads, which, holy shit, (laughs) mid-roll ads, that's where the real money is. Making Um, me so
1: upset. Every time I try to watch a Tasty video and I get hit hit by that mid-roll.
0: But the thing is, is how is the streams being monetized? Because there's, like, no bits, there's no subs, there's no um, just general donations, like...
1: I mean, I watching know. this um, old, like, recorded live video, I just got hit by a mid-roll, so, um...
0: Okay, so that, so the VODs are definitely monetized, but what about, mm-hmm. like, the live stream itself? Like, even if you just get, like um, like, a click mm-hmm. ad of when you first tune in, like, that's not really all that great in terms of money.
1: I can see them doing a click ad. I, I've definitely gotten click ads watching just, like, um, people I know watching their live streams. So, like, I don't know.
0: Hmm. Well, I wonder how, how good it is. Because I know, like, uh, Facebook, or not Facebook, uh, YouTube, for example, like, normal mm. ads are, like, pretty not worth it. Especially I'm... because of, like, ad blocker and stuff. So I wonder if it's mm-hmm. better on Facebook.
1: I mean, putting on my tinfoil hat here... I've definitely... Uh, I know that Facebook does sell your information, so I'm wondering if maybe they do sell uh, to these companies what game you're clicking on, how long you're staying on their streams, etc.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, like, I understand, like, Facebook making money from it, but what about, like, the streamer? Like, I'm assuming that oh. pro- they're not getting any kickback from that. So, like, what is a allow- lot... Like, What's keeping these streamers on here? Like, why, why would they stay? Like, if they're not getting um,
1: Probably just building up a fan base here. I mean, it's hard to build up a fan base on any site. And then transitioning to a different one is also very difficult. So I could see maybe um, them growing, like, their Facebook page pretty organically and then just choosing to stay here instead of moving to Twitch and potentially, like, losing followers.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Do you think... Oh, you know what? I wonder if the 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 ploy is since Facebook is easier to build like a like uh, kind of like a like a reaction kind of Mm -hmm. audience. So like you like it, and all your friends will see that you like it. Like that's a that's a Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: social streaming. Yeah. I I
0: wonder if they do that, and then here it is, ready for it. You put Mm -hmm. your Patreon top layer of your bio. That's oh, I could see that. Yeah, that's making the money.
1: Okay, I see. Yeah.
0: All right, so now that we're done trashing um, Facebook, let's go ahead and speak- go over to Riot.
1: No, 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 no. Let's let's take a step back. I want to start talking about Twitch and um, their whole hot mess going on in that corner of the world. Like, um,
0: what exactly? Because there's a so, lot of hot messes.
1: So um, Twitch was uh, recently acquired by Amazon, as everyone knows, and now you can uh, subscribe with your Amazon Prime membership. Uh, and I believe a couple episodes ago, you guys talked about how they Amazoned themselves.
0: Yep. Um,
1: you know, Viring and tons of people. I believe I was in the chat alerting you to it at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Given so those, act- uh, those good links.
1: <laughs> so, uh, okay, you still don't have links turned on. So uh, we got a problem.
0: I got the PMs. It's fine.
1: Okay, but um, so Twitch actually did have another booth this year. I know that they have one every year, and it's pretty pretty major because Twitch is, like, one of the companies for uh, esports and gaming in general. Um, but they actually didn't have a live show this year, which was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. I-, I personally wasn't in PAX last year. So what was the live show like th- uh, last year, Dylan?
0: Um, so not only last year, but, like, literally every year, they have a PAX live stream of where they live stream from PAX for the entire duration of like, Well, not the entire duration, but like every single day of PAX. And it's really big because like you have like a it's like a talk show kind of deal. And like they bring people in and like back in the day, like DJ Wheat would be up there to be like, yo, what's up, guys? I'm DJ Wheat. I'm big in esports. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was like really fun. And you could actually just go up and, like, sit in front of, like, the stage and, like, Mm -hmm. see them actually do this live. And it was really cool. And they, I mean, I guess, I don't know if they are doing this directly related to all the people they fired. Because I think, Mm -hmm. I think all the people they fired were the ones actually running it.
1: Well, there was also, um, just bringing up a a different look at it, um... Apparently, a lot of um, a lot of panels were actually being held at either at the Twitch booth or were being streamed by Twitch. Um, so I'm not sure if it could be them laying off people, or if maybe Pact is just running out of room because they are getting a lot more attention, more like as uh, as years go by. So, you know, also could have something to do with the massive PUBG area that was just completely blocked off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that also leads kind of into another point of just like, like PUBG just put like so much money into packs this year because well one, they had the giant like like the giant one hundred person setup of mm-hmm. PUBG which they were running tournaments like throughout the entire weekend for that, and on top of that there were so many booths that just had random PUBG setups.
1: Oh yeah, and then um apparently. Um the um the PUBG area was not actually supposed to be that big. There were supposed to like uh if you look at the map, it was supposed to be much smaller, but it ended up being pretty massive just because of how many people wanted to play.
0: That's crazy. Like I like the idea of having like all one hundred players like be in the same area and have like a big tournament like that. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's cool, but like man, like they put money in the packs this year, like it's not cheap to get like an area. Esport of the year. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess definitely for like 2017 for sure, mm-hmm. but like that's a four. It was like at least a fourth. Like it had no, probably not a fourth. That's that's maybe exaggerating a little bit, but still, like it took up a good chunk of area.
1: It just really seems like battle royales are growing exponentially
0: in the scene. Yeah, and actually, what was really interesting is you could see that reflected in just the audience of people that were there. Like, the amount of people that like were just like wearing like uh like PUBG gear and Fortnite gear, and the amount of people saw all those people. cosplayers. Yeah, the cosplayers. Like, there was a really big battle royale scene there. Like, people people are into it. People like, I I don't think they're gonna let it slow down anytime soon. I think I think battle royales are like the next card game in terms of esports because like you know how hearthstone came out and then like everyone copied them and everyone tried to make card games they'll turn Mm -hmm. out to be shit and they're awful um
1: i don't know i mean uh
0: elder scrolls you know (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah like they're all like they i I, regardless regardless of the state of card game (laughs) esports um what's interesting is that like all these battle royale games are good in their own right like like you might have your preference of what's better, PUBG or H one Z one or Fortnite, but they all have their audience and they all kinda have a place in the scene, which is very strange for an esport, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Normally they just like cannibalize each other's numbers or each other's players.
0: Yeah, and I mean just look at the MOBA scene. I mean I know like the three big MOBAs kind of coexist, but like uh, we all know one of them is clearly the top one.
1: Yeah, Tots.
0: <laughs> Decker Kane. Oh yeah, Decker Kane was announced.
1: <laughs> okay, I th- okay. I that's another was- episode.
0: I think he was announced at PAX too.
1: <laughs> yeah, he
0: was. Um, no, no but-, but
1: even, even in the panels we attended, I remember we went to quite a few panels, and I would say that the the we went to one titled the the rise of battle royale. Um, and there were a lot of people in there. We almost filled the entire room.
0: Yeah, and it, it wasn't one of the smaller rooms either. It was, like, one of the mm-hmm. big rooms. People are just, like, they, they're, they're, like, craving this Battle Royale content. Because, like, it's, it's like, massively flooding. And there's, like, really big streamers and stuff out there. But, like, I don't think the, the personalities of the scene are, like, uh, super solidified. So I know there's, like, Ninja, and then there's, like, Dr. Disrespect and all them. But, mm-hmm. like, even those names, like, I know Ninja goes back to the Halo days, but, like, in terms of Battle Royales, they're still newer names, and they're still building themselves. They're not, like, League of Legends, or where you have, like, you know, these 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 people who have been popular for, like, almost, like, a decade now, like, Faker and, like, Doublelift and all them. Like, you don't have those those, those core like figures in in the scene yet like it's still building and i think people are just kind of they're kind of just craving all that content you know mm-hmm.
1: i can definitely also see um kind of like them living vicariously through their streamers because um pull- pulling on my psychology roots a little bit here uh PUBG, fortnite all of these battle royale games are very rewarding to play um but a lot of these people playing are kind of more casual players and they're not really that good at shooters so just being able to play and like experience the game, like as a good person, even though they not, they're not really playing, I would imagine their brain kind of gives them that positive feedback anyways, just from seeing that winner winner chicken dinner.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so talking about big games, big esports that were at PAX, let's talk about Riot and their oh interesting <laughs> approach um, to how they uh, they went to PAX this year. So just to kind of prelude this normally the way that league approaches packs i know they did have there was a collegiate event actually last year um the initial big 10 tournament concluded actually at at packs last year
1: all right that's Um, a sore spot let's uh
0: yeah but before that normally what they would do at the most at the very most is they would just have a booth where they would you know i think they would do meet and greets and then maybe give out skin codes um they would give, give out a
1: lot of stuff um a lot of loot. Generally, they'd also be selling a lot of merch. Um, yeah. Some of it would be exclusive to packs, which would really motivate a lot of fans to make the the trip out. Um, but this year was uh, pretty interesting. They elected to not be on the floor, and instead uh, they hosted um, their own kind of thing on the first floor, I believe it was, um, where they were well, they were giving out these really cool like shirts with all of your roles. Um, but other than that, I really did not see much in the way of, like, being able to buy things. Um, they hosted a lot of meet and greets anyways, but.
0: Yeah, there was just no place to buy Riot stuff, mm-hmm. like, which I think they, is. They did weird. host
1: the the cosplay lounge, though, so.
0: Oh, yeah, I, the because the place. Mm-hmm. I think that was a place for, like, cosplayers to go and, like, hang out and just, like, cool down from being out on the floor and, like, do some repairs and stuff
1: i i didn't realize this until way after but apparently they did have um streaming personalities come in and like work at um their area i guess you could call it because um we saw this really tall like lady in a nar costume right she
0: mm-hmm. was a
1: streamer and uh so were both of the people that were handing out those lanyards uh, with your role on them oh really yeah
0: huh i i mean i, I didn't even know
1: mm-hmm I didn't even know, because, uh, but I I was, like, the guy... uh, I got my jungle lanyard, of course, because I am a jungler, and the guy I was talking to seemed very familiar, and he seemed weirdly charismatic for, like, a a random volunteer at, like, a riot booth at PAX. So uh, I did some digging, and I guess he was also a streamer. It was very interesting.
0: Yeah, that is pretty interesting. So how do you feel about them moving to, like, this kind of... Like it was a unique thing. Um, don't get me wrong. I thought it was really cool that they did that. Like, oh, come up as an entire team and get like your role as a T-shirt and take a photo together. I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. But like, how do you feel about them taking that kind of thing rather than being out on the floor itself? Do you think it's a, I don't know, maybe a symptom of how esports is looking right now, or what do you think?
1: Um. So the whole riot packs relationship has always been weird. Uh, I feel like because. They, they're not very consistent when it comes to showing up at PAX, as, especially not PAX East. Um, I remember that when, when, one year I was actually very seriously considering going, and I was a big league person at this time, and uh, I heard they weren't going to have a boot, so I ended up ultimately not buying a ticket. Um, so, them not being on the floor was not unsurprising to me. Um, what what I'm really interested in is why did they choose to do this? Like. Did they maybe want want a booth, but um, maybe they felt like they, they were already too well-known to be down there, and uh, they wanted uh, more, more of a set-aside like set area for their fans? Or did they maybe come up with this very last minute, and they were like, OK, I guess we'll go to PAX, uh, even though we really don't need to? Because I would argue that out of any of the games there, Riot does not need to be at PAX. People will will play their game regardless of where they go or what they do, so.
0: But I mean, I don't think inherently being at PAX is just for getting new people to play your game. I think it's just a good way and like a good kind of um, feel good thing for fans. So I know like Blizzard, like even though like I wasn't super into what they were doing because they had like a, um it was like a demo for their for their upcoming expansion for WoW. And then they also had their store i always like that they have their store because like it's cool like even though like Mm -hmm. the line for me is a little bit too long to go in and buy stuff that's already on their website like i still think it's cool that they're there like trying to sell some merch and stuff and they're there to like be like hey what's up guys like what's going on and like i know like ben brode from the hearthstone team he was just like hanging out and like he was going over to like the little hearthstone area like Blizzard didn't have to be there in any aspect because, like, plenty of people play their game. Plenty of people play Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. Benbro didn't have to, like, go to PAX and, like, hang out at, like, the, the Geico gaming area where they were doing the Hearthstone tournament. But he, like, went out there and was like, hey, what's up, everyone? And, like, you know, said hi to a couple people. So I think, like, that won't get, like, if I wasn't playing Hearthstone, like, that wouldn't get me to play Hearthstone. But as a Hearthstone player, I go, oh, this is sick. This is really cool.
1: Hmm. um well i don't know it's, it's a very interesting question um it's i i don't i'm not even sure it's really a a question of what, do they care about their players so much as like where where are they focusing right now mm-hmm. uh because we, lcs like a lot of people predicted that their like exponential expansion in terms of like uh pro esports would like be slowing down right now and they don't really seem to want that to happen uh, they they recently did franchising and everything so maybe it's more of a we we have a thing we have a following we should have a, a small thing at PAX but that shouldn't be our focus and let's focus elsewhere
0: yeah I agree and so actually I just like this came to the tip of my head um, but weren't they wasn't the NA LCS finals this past weekend too oh
1: yeah 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 actually do you you think um, that
0: could also be a reason
1: that i think that was definitely a reason why i there were not many uh riot staff present and why we saw a lot of personalities working um probably because it was a very like um it would have been hard to like tear all of their production staff away from lcs to come to pax
0: yeah so like maybe taking this approach was like something that like obviously they knew their schedule like well ahead of time so maybe mm-hmm. they were like hey like we have a lot of people working on this like let's do this other thing so we can still be at PAX but we can also keep like all the all the power still in like in LCS.
1: Mm, I could see that being a thing especially um, there There were some panels going on uh, but I, I don't really recall any big like no no one who was even close to playing in the finals or like being needed in the finals was present at Pax. So.
0: Yeah. So do, what do you think Riot's going to do kind of in the upcoming years with Pax? Do you think do you think they're uh, going to be do you think they're just going to be riot and like flip-flop on how much they're involved with Pax?
1: I mean I have a lot of respect for what Riot does as a company, but I definitely do believe that um they they still they still operate like they're a small company even though they're they're really not they're one of the biggest com- like in terms of revenue at least they they should be one of the biggest companies in like the the esports industry at the very least um but it does seem to me like they still operate like they're still a studio of less than 500 people working on this cool new Dota 2 mod <laughs> so um I, it, it is it is up in the air i think I think that um, packs and conventions in general is not really their priority, and I don't necessarily blame them.
0: Okay. Well, what do you want to see from them? Like,
1: in the um... upcoming
0: years, like, what what do you think? Do you, like, like, are you totally on board? Like, if they, like, you're, like, I'm super indifferent if they're at PAX or not, or do you say, like, you know, I want them to, like, host a panel. Like, I want to see them, like, Maybe like talk about concept art or something. Like, what do you think? I mean,
1: I've always been um, he, being being a League fan. Back in I think it was 2015, 2016. Um, I I got pretty jealous when um, they had the Rift Walk at PAX East, uh, which was basically just like this this uh, room full of like statues of like things in game and, and uh, characters from the gate from their game. And just, like, a, a physical representation of their history over the past few years. Uh, just looking at the pictures, that looked really cool. So I'm always hoping that one day they'll bring it back, maybe update it a bit so that I can have a look at it. Um, but I, I I don't know what they did with it. I mean, it was a couple of years ago, so I'm hoping that they're still hanging on to, like, a giant baron somewhere. <laughs> but um, who knows, you know?
0: Yeah. Alright, so let's go ahead and wrap this up with our last topic, which I guess is kind of a big topic, and it's something that um, myself and you are super, super involved with, and that's the collegiate scene. So why don't you go ahead and just kind of give us like a intro to like what was going on with the collegiate scene at, at, at PAX.
1: So uh, over the weekend, I, I did get to see a lot of um, fellow collegiate leaders from other parts of the East Coast. Uh, generally, we all do tend to congregate to PAX because that is one of the places to be uh, during the school year. So, um, we, there were a lot of events uh, geared specifically towards us. I know there were a couple of panels on Thursday and some on Sunday. I unfortunately was not able to make it to either of those days uh, due to stuff that I will talk about shortly. Um, TESPA did host a couple of meetups for their different regions. So they, uh, they split the uh, continental United States up into north, south, east, and west, and each of those respective regions did end up having a, a sort of meetup where uh, we could get together and talk to each other and a couple of industry professionals that decided they'd uh, try their best to, like, network with us. Uh, another big thing was that uh, this is kind of new. Corsair decided to uh, host a kind of Collegiate workshop on Sunday. It was run by a pretty good friend of mine, Eugenia, who is the collegiate outreach person over at uh, Corsair. And it was it was pretty interesting. Um, a lot of Boston schools were present because it was in Boston. And um, Eugenia is actually a I believe she's a BU alum.
0: Yep. She yep. ran
1: their their esports club for three years. Um. So it was it was pretty informative. Um. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> what
0: did you do there? Like, why was it important? Uh,
1: I think, personally, coming from a Penn State perspective, uh, there were some some things were covered that we already knew. Um, but it was definitely good to have it solidified that, okay, we're doing the right thing. Uh, and it was very helpful for a lot of the
0: smaller schools
1: that were there that were just starting out.
0: Do you think, like, PAX is a good thing for the collegiate scene? To be able to, like, meet up? And have panels and talk with each other and network.
1: I mean, I've definitely noticed that as a whole, PAX has been a very networky place. Like, you, you, if you work in the industry, you're probably going to PAX just to like meet other people in your industry. Um, and the same can definitely be said for collegiate. Uh, I personally met a lot of really amazing contacts actually that I will be reaching out to next year just to help my help my school out. Um, and definitely for meeting other people that are just grinding it out just like me. Um,
0: yeah, I I, I totally I agree. Wrong. I said that's so wrong. No, I, I I totally agree because like uh I mean I've been to PAX for the past uh, few years, um and every year I always went a, as as like a as a club. I always went up with uh, a lot of my fellow club members, and it's always been a good thing to network with other schools. Um, I met a lot of old friends that way. Um, TESPA, that we talked about earlier, has been doing that meetup for a really long time. And that was like the first time I was able to really see other schools, see what they were doing, uh, see how their programs looked. And, you know, I was able to take a lot of that and kind of try to change what I was doing to like better myself and better the club. Mm-hmm. And I, I think stuff like that's important because like, if you're just kind of off in your own island doing your own thing, it's going to be a lot slower to grow and improve and having things like packs of where you can meet up with other collegiate um, esports people is awesome because then you can actually network with them and be like, hey, add me on Twitter or Facebook and let's chat and, like, let's talk about our clubs. And, like, even if it's something like like you're just, like, going back and forth talking about all the crazy stuff going on in your club, it's still it's still good and it's still uh, cathartic and it still helps the club overall. So I always w- I oh, yeah, like that. No.
1: I definitely agree. Uh, definitely talked to a lot of people who have struggles that I have either been through or foresee myself going through within the next few years, um, also managed to um, really make make connections to people who I believe could help us uh, achieve our goals on our own campus uh, and vice versa. I definitely gave out my contact to more than a few people that will be reaching out to me for help. So.
0: So I I think I think we've ran through a lot of the esports stuff that was going on at PAX. Like like I said before, I know this is mostly like a gaming and like tabletop convention, Um, but Mm -hmm. I think it was really good to highlight all the esports stuff going on there because esports is getting bigger at PAX for sure, and like definitely
1: showing up a lot more.
0: Yeah, yeah. The percentage of things there that are esports, the gaming is definitely on the on the rise. So, is there anything else that you want to highlight before we kind of wrap this all up?
1: Um, Nintendo did Splatoon tournaments, which I didn't even know.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right, because Nintendo's <laughs> really, really pushing for certain games to be esports now, I guess. Splatoon um, is
1: definitely not an esport. I mean, <laughs> I'm probably going to get hate for that, but...
0: So, like, here. So here's the deal. I think they're just really kicking themselves for turning their backs on Smash when it was peaking. Uh-huh. And now that, like, they basically lost everything they could have had with supporting Smash, they're just, like, grasping at straws at this point.
1: Splatoon, though?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, that's the best thing they got. And, like, there are a lot of people that like Splatoon. Um, I'm not going to say it's, like, a crazy cool, hyper-competitive shooter, but I know a lot of people like it, and a lot of people play it, and I think that's why they're kind of you know, holding on to any sort of competitive play that it could have.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, personally, we don't have a Splatoon Division yet. If we had one, uh, maybe maybe I'd be more open to it. But in general, it does not seem like uh, Nintendo consoles are too cohesive to esports.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely lacking in esports, Nintendo is, mm-hmm. so... Um, so yeah, other than Nintendo's failings, is there any uh, anything else that you want to highlight?
1: Looking well, esports related.
0: Yeah. All right, so go ahead and uh, I'll let you go ahead and wrap it up, wrap your stuff up by, you know, plugging your Twitter or whatever so people can come follow you.
1: Um, like I said before, my name is Iris. I'm the vice president over at Penn State Esports. I am also uh, the regional coordinator at ASEL, which is the American Collegiate Esports League. Um, if you want to follow me, then my Twitter is Cassina Ilya, A-S-S-I-N-A-I-L-L-A. Uh, generally, just tweet about esports, kind of meme a little bit, uh, shit post a lot. So, you know, if you're interested in any of that, come check me out.
0: Yeah. And thanks, Iris, for, you know, sitting down and chatting with me so we can kind of get all our ideas of esports at PAX and just, like, actually throw it down and record it and put it out there. Um, mm-hmm. But you can follow me on Twitter at Beal4Real. That's the number four um and go ahead and if you're listening to this on youtube or itunes you can always find us on other social medias at uh, the project esports podcast um Mm -hmm. also if you want to go ahead and like follow um or subscribe to our podcast so you can get it into your feed regularly that really really helps us out a lot um every listen is super super important so thanks for listening
1: if you watch on on twitch then uh, you can correct them with me in the chat
0: Yep. Yeah. So we live stream um, all, all our all our uh, podcasts. So you can go ahead and type in chat and basically correct every time we're wrong. Which I'm not going to promise we're we're right 100 of the time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening.